This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cami here, Leo Quino. That is my guest on today's episode, a personal financial coach. I don't know. Honestly, I was maybe just yelling about money during this entire episode. I hope that Lee, I thank Leo for their patience. Um, hey, do you live in Los Angeles? Do you want to come see me? Do stand up, but also see a clown or a magician or people playing a saxophone? I've got this extremely fun new show. It's Right now, it is November 14th and December 12th, but in the new year, it'll be every week. It's at 7.30 at the Elysian Theater. You can go to CameronEsposito.com slash shows or to my Instagram for tickets. Honestly, it's going to be an amazing time. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, I'm Leo Aquino. I use he or they pronouns. I am a writer and also a financial coach. And I'm the founder of Queer and Trans Wealth, where I write about anti-capitalist personal finance. And what the hell are you even talking about? Tell me more about that because come on. Yeah, basically. It's all impossible. I write and- It's all impossible. Tell me more. I write and talk about finance from- an anti-capitalist lens. And, you know, um, I'm not saying that like in the same way that, you know, when people are like, stop buying coffee and you might be able to afford a house, like, you know, in the same way that buying a coffee isn't, or like buying or not buying a coffee won't really change things in terms of whether or not you can afford other stuff. Like there isn't, you know, it's not really up to one person to like bring down a whole oppressive system. You know, it's really just being mindful and really understanding that there's a larger context at play when we're dealing with our finances. Um, I would say it's a lot more of a compassionate and holistic approach than uh, what people normally recommend, which is, I, I think, kind of hardcore and unrealistic sometimes because it's not like when you're taking care of your money, that's like the only thing you're doing in life. Like you're still a whole person and you still go out and have fun and have other things to take care of. Like no one is taking care of their money 24 seven, you know? So, yeah. So when you say taking care of their money, I mean, can you tell me what you mean by that? Um, there's a bunch of different areas to take care of, right? It could just be everyday budgeting like am i spending too much money than what i make every month um it could be savings it could be paying down debt um it could also be saving for retirement or planning for a family in the future um if folks are a little bit older you know planning for their end of life stuff to be taken care of and that it's passed on to the right people um by the right people, I mean, you know, uh, if you're if you're not in good terms with your family, like maybe you don't want your things to go to your family um, and you'd rather have your assets to go to 
your partner that maybe you're not legally married to or right so uh, making sure your estate is taken care of as your estate as they say um yeah so that's some i mean it's complicated stuff um because it like you said it's there's a lot of different things um but how did you first get interested in this area and which of those i mean i would just i guess i'm like imagining that one of those areas was your specific route in uh mm. is that true like is there is there what what was the impetus for you um yeah i mean i am a writer by trade um and when i started my writing career i was really like my focus was sex and relationships and also like um beauty and fashion you know things like that um i like to joke that i have gone from like asking people about like lube and anal beads to then you know like asking them about their money which surprisingly is a lot harder like people will tell you talk about anal beads with you all day and like not you know finances like oh my god well also you know you got a budget for anal beads thank you that's that's, that's what i'm saying that shit ain't cheap <laughs> i mean i actually don't specifically i can't specifically price that but just in general anything in that mm -hmm. category is uh sex toys are not cheap at all um nor do we want them to be, I think, necessarily, but they aren't. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a both and. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a both mm -hmm. and situation. Um, um, so, I mean, I when you said that it's like a harder thing to talk about with people, I will say for me, I think, you know, this is, I like didn't grow up um, in a situation where my parents talked to me about um, financial planning or like, early anything having to do with money. Um, I don't think their parents specifically talked to them about that. So I don't think they tracked it as some, as info to pass along. I don't, you know, it's like not their fault. We just do what we learn or whatever. Um, but I will say that that is something I felt a lot of shame about for a long time. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, I felt like there was something I was supposed to know how to do that I didn't know how to do. Um, and it's been a long road, um, especially because I don't, because I work for myself. So I didn't have like 401k matching. And like that's, I just wasn't like put into a corporate framework. And um, I, I do have folks who manage my money, but I had to sort of ask them questions that felt, that made me feel dumb. Like to be mm -hmm. honest, I felt like I should know the answer to this. And um yeah. I mean, I, this is a hard, this is a hard topic for me, for sure. I've worked a lot on sort of fluency and, and also shame reduction, but what do you encounter when you're talking to folks? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, the first thing that I, you know, I mean, also everyone feels that way, you know, nobody, there's a lot, there's, there are very few people who feel like. I feel like the Trumps don't feel that way. Oh, well. I feel like there's like five people who like got all the information about how to hack the system and they, and it's, it's like five people, but, they, like congratulations to them, but it's, they got the info, but the, it's like that. They will maybe go to prison, but they did get the info, <laughs> but it's like that by design, right? Like there are a hundred. Yeah, yeah exactly. A hundred percent. Like if you think about, you know, when you went to high school, like I, I for sure had a personal finance class in my high school, but it was not, did you? I did, but it was like that weird, like you go to like a fake grocery store or something, you know, and you buy like fake oh stuff. God. Did it's you go weird. to public school? I did. Yeah. 
I went I went to Catholic school and just so you know they don't teach you anything that's actual actually but also they like design. only teach you that saints are real like it's like <laughs> not there's no there's look I le- I like read a lot of great books yeah it's you know? it's only recently that you know um, public schools are including personal finance in their curriculum but it's kind of by design because the people at the top who are profiting off of your labor, like if you don't know how to manage your money, then you're more likely to stay at a job longer, right? And then they can profit off of you for longer. So it's by design in that way. And also it's by design in terms of like pop culture. Like, you know, there's all these jokes about like sex in the city. Like, oh my God, how did Carrie Bradshaw afford to live, you know, in New York City and like buy Manola Blahniks when, you know, writers like don't really make that much money, like that kind of thing. But it's not talked about in the show because they want they want that same culture to kind of perpetuate in real life, right? Where there's a lot of shame and talking about money. And also you just have to ask like who benefits from that, you know? <laughs> like and and that's why and also it's very common to feel ashamed when it comes to talking about money. It's very common to feel like oh, I'm, I'm not good at it. But I try, I tell people all the time, like, if you're not good at it, then how come you're like here in front of me, like alive, you know, (laughs) like, I don't, I don't think that people are inherently bad at dealing with money. I think people just don't understand the way that capitalism and other, the other isms are out to get you. And if you don't understand that, then you tend to like internalize it and be like, oh, well, it's, it's me. It's my fault. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, totally. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah. I feel, I feel proud now that like I do have, and I mean, because I'm part of a union um, that's currently striking. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have like some, benefits through because of that in terms of like a pension um but yeah i am proud that i have a retirement account that's just me in yelling into the void about retirement mm-hmm. um well i mean there's money there's money involved too <laughs> but uh it's like not it wasn't yeah it didn't come through uh corporate entity well that's not totally true came through my corporation but i mean that's major one employee my my corporation has one employee it's um me i'm the employee of that corporation yeah it is major it's awesome yeah it is awesome i mean i think sometimes when i even hear about like you know people are talking a lot about something like nepo babies in hollywood that kind of a thing again some of this some people do inherit a lot of them white um, a lot of them straight, a lot of them multiple generation. You know, some people do inherit this information. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. How did you, when you were transitioning, so anal beads to expertise in this area. <laughs> yeah. How did you educate yourself to be able so, to talk about this? Yeah. What happened was, um, you know, as a writer, I was talking to an editor and I think I might've just been like, oh yeah, like. I have, I have credit card debt and I, at one point was sued by a company and like, I'm fine, you know? And I think people were just like astonished at my mindset around it. And so, um, I, I wrote an essay about it 
um, the essay went super viral to the point that like two, like two million people across the country had read it, and um, people were like in my inbox, like really, like both Wait, like for positive um, at, at Business Insider. And then, when you say you were sued by a company, is that something you can talk about? Yeah, yeah. Um, so what happens what is when you? What, what was that context? Yeah. Yeah, when you don't pay your credit card bills what happens is eventually you get sued for that debt and a debt collector who is actually like, if you look at it, like debt collectors are usually structured as like legal offices. Um, they're basically suing you. Right. Um, yeah. And you either have to pay the whole thing up front. Um, there's, there's a bunch of options. Like you can, you know, make a payment plan with them. You can like completely default and then you like, file for bankruptcy at that point but you know at that point your credit is like like when you're getting sued your credit is ruined like if your debt is in collections your credit is like no more you know um it's a pretty common experience actually now that you know i've done a lot of research about it um so i wrote about this experience um and i just wrote about really like alleviating the shame around it and actually taking actions like after having dealt with that shame um there were a lot of people who were like wow thank you so much for talking about this because i feel the same way and then there were a lot of people that were like oh you're so stupid you know or like or um oh come on or even like oh i really i really related to you until you brought up race because i had brought up in the article that you know people uh. of color in particular like have a harder time with debt just out of you know the systemic ways in which like we have less access to money and capital um so there were people who were like yes i was i was with you until you made it about race like how like how dare you and i was like okay 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 what a classic statement yeah that can be applied to any number of articles by a certain by a certain fellow yeah um so because that article did so well i ended up getting hired full-time um, as a personal finance reporter. And through there is really where I started to build my expertise, not just on the technical um, aspects of managing your money, but also um, talking to just like regular Americans about how, you know, different policies like student loan forgiveness or anti-trans legislation would then abortion access, like how those things would end up affecting their finances. So that's really how... Yes. I got to where I'm at. <laughs> That's all super interesting to me. Um, I will say that, you know, just for some, like, just to track some beats in there. Um, years and years ago, I, I had gone to grad school and then dropped out because I realized that I wanted to be a stand-up comic. I didn't know why I was in grad school. And they ended up charging me for the rest of the year, even though I... Um, had like signed all the papers and whatever. And then because I didn't know that that charge had been levied upon me and it was never presented to me, that bill went into collections. And so the, like after a while, so eventually I was contacted by a collections agency who was like, you owe this much, you know, because of your unpaid bill to the University of Chicago. And I was like, for what? And I will just say, it was already on my credit report by that time, you know, and I was fighting a collections agency and the university, you know, I'd like go, it was the kind of thing where like, you couldn't like, you know, I made a zillion phone calls and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to like 
go there with my face and try to talk mm. to somebody. But, but it's not that, you know, exact same situation you found yourself in, but I will say that like that process of undoing that also took like actually years yeah, to just get it, like to get all of the, to get it to be accurate. Um, so that is also a fun thing that can happen in terms of like how, um, out of control something can get based on a small thing, like a credit card that, you know, one gets in a loop around not paying and mm -hmm. then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and less and less possible. Same thing, a chain, there's a, there's a chain involved in all this and chains are really difficult to deal with and can get really overwhelming. I mean, the number of times I wanted to just like bury my head in the sand and be like, I cannot make another call about this. You know, it was a lot of times because it's fucking hard to be persistent. You know, mm -hmm. the same thing mm -hmm. is true in like med in like getting medical care in the U.S. Like, oh, like yeah. to take care of oneself in these areas requires like such persistence and such patience, and it can be really exhausting. Um, so I think that's like a part of this also that not a lot of people talk about how mm -hmm. cleaning up your finances for any reason it's fucking it's a big task. Um, yeah, and requires like bite-sized pieces and i think also hope you know that things can get better i mean how did you hold on to hope in that situation that you're talking about oh well you know i'm a hardcore extrovert <laughs> so personally i just had to talk about it i just had to be able to pick up the phone and have friends to be like yo do you have like 20 minutes to just talk about this like insane financial thing awesome. that I have going on, you know, and that's awesome. Yeah. That. Cultivating those friendships was really helpful for me. Um, and then to be honest with you, um, coming out as trans <laughs> was a big one because it wasn't until I was like, actually, I do want to live as long as possible, like not to get dark, but you know, a lot of trans folks before we come out the closet, it's like, or even queer folks, like, uh, before oh, coming out the closet, so you know, interesting. You just don't have that mindset of like, yeah, I'm going to live like a really long time, and therefore, like your actions don't, you know, follow that mindset. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Why would you care about? Why would anybody care about mm -hmm. specifically something like running up credit card debt? Right. Because that's like that's like free money until it isn't, you know? So I exactly. absolutely that tracks. That makes perfect sense. And it's almost like I also tell people like, you know instead of trying to take care of 100% of the problem, like right away, maybe see if there's something you can do to make it 10% better. Right. And yeah. for me personally, like even with student loans, even something as simple as like filing the paperwork to get them to change my name on the loans made me yeah. like a little bit more willing to actually take action, you know? So yeah. Um, that's, that's kind of honestly, like, the longevity of my life is not it's like the motivation to get me to be like okay i'm gonna get my shit together around finances i'm assuming we can curse on here right is that cool you bet okay word. you have to actually it's required <laughs> okay shit <laughs> <laughs> back for another game you know it what's going on 
Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Oh, God. I mean, as we're talking about this, I'm just, it's like, I'm remembering things from my past about this, too. Because um, after I graduated from college, and then I was doing comedy professionally for like there were there were some years in there where like I made there was one year where I made such little money annually that I actually didn't have to file taxes (laughs) (laughs) I like looked it up and it was just like actually like we don't even care like keep it you know like that's basically and so when I was in that zone I also had to call my university that I'd gone to and ask for loan deferment because I was like, I don't make any money, you know? And so again, it like, there's a lot of this that requires like action, but also staring it in the face. Right. Cause that is also something that could have stopped me, you know, just like the, the shock of like, I have to call somebody who's another person and tell them I don't make any money, you know, like that, was a really mm-hmm. rough call to make also. It's it's rough to be honest about these things. Um because I was like living my dreams and I wanted to focus on that, not focus on how it was in the short term impacting my ability to um be responsible for the things that I signed up for. Um yeah, it's a lot of like staring the dragon right in the face, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like staring the dragon in the face, though, also helps you, like, just think of, you know what I think about is um, uh, the dragon from Shrek and and Donkey. What a cute dragon! <laughs> like, the two of them together, but when you think of, like, the size of it, you know, like, Donkey is so little, yeah. and the dragon is so giant. And so when I, when I think about... Um, how small one person is compared to like this larger system that like requires you to pick up the phone and call your college and be like, Hey, I don't even make enough money to like file taxes this year. You know, like I, I think there's something about it too, that, you know, people don't really like people cannot visualize that. Right. And in the moment when you're thinking about like, Oh man, I got to make this call when I'm, out here living my dreams like well you're just like alone in your room or your car like making that call and you think like oh it's just you you know it can be really isolating so I really encourage people to like zoom out to start to alleviate that shame and then from there you can take action yeah 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 yes sure that makes sense I also want to go so there's you know there's some other 
And we're a little abbreviated today, so I want to make sure I hit some of the other stuff that you talked about. I like I for as a very small thing that you mentioned, and I don't want. I do want to make sure that I get to how queerness that we get to how queerness impacts all of this. So mm-hmm. like, let's know that we are doing that, and I also want to make sure that we get to um, what you mean by anti-capitalist. Because I feel like there's maybe some people that are listening that don't even know what you mean. Mm -hmm. So those are two things I want to mark. But one thing that you said that I, that really struck me also is when you're talking about something like abortion access and how much that affects personal finance. Because the choices that are being made by the Supreme Court and by legislators right now, access to trans-affirming care, I mean, you just gave an example of how access to trans-affirming care affects somebody's ability to be on top of their personal finances. And one thing I will say in the like abortion access realm, sort of a wild moment in my life. I, I hosted the Planned Parenthood National Dinner. When would this have been? Like 2015? So it's all of the, it's not a fundraiser. It's all of the providers are there. And they're sort of getting recognized by the national organization for the on the ground work that they were doing. So like that year, Mm. there had been a shooting at one of the clinics in Colorado. So like that team was there and it was very impactful and very moving. Their board is there too. And there are some like major donors that are there, but it is like 90% people that are on the ground. And, um, and like Kesha performed, I mean, it was like, but it was, to, it was really to honor these folks. It was like quite a beautiful moment. And the morning after this dinner, they had a brunch and it was, it was the, it just happened to be the day after Hillary Clinton secured the democratic nomination that year. And so the first speech that she gave at all was like at 10 a.m., in front of these providers and this isn't to like particularly laud her i don't want to get in the weeds there but one thing i will say is that she has she had a long-standing history with planned parenthood because of how long she has been involved in politics and she gave this speech that was not about um a nomination but it was about it was like statistics about how the financial system in the country has changed since abortion access being legalized and who you know whoever was the team that was assembling this it was just one of those things where i was sitting there listening to this and i thought i literally can't believe that this is going to it wasn't co- this wasn't covered right cuz the campaign certainly her campaign certainly didn't want this oh. to be like woman secures nomination for the first time and abortions are amazing. Like, so literally it was like the people in this room who were providers and me and my sister, who was my guest to this event, heard this speech. And I will just say that it was, it was so wild to realize because of this speech, how much is left out of the national conversation. Cause it was a speech I've never heard before in terms of like, she spoke for, I don't know, 40 minutes or an hour about, like this is the way and whoever wrote that for her i mean this is information that's available it's just not information that's presented and it was like it was so it was incredible to hear that with that group of people and it was so sad to me to hear that and realize that it was going to be like left in that room 
Mm. And then as we, you know, debated Roe v. Wade in the coming years, I was like, yeah, I just had this real sense of pain around how we don't talk around about mass the massive financial effects of something like that. Yeah. Does that all make sense, what I'm saying there? Oh, of course, like it, of like, course. It was fucking heartbreaking to yeah. have heard that speech and then hear people talk about this with, like, you know, their Catholic education leading the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Um, <laughs> So back in May of 2022, this is when it first leaked that Congress, not Congress, the Supreme Court was planning on overturning Roe v. Wade. And there were protests that, you know, rightfully so, broke out. And I went to the protests and I asked, um, I interviewed a bunch of the women who were there um, and eventually, like, you know, got a clearer picture of where there are financially because they were able to access abortion, right? And a lot of times the decision to get an abortion is a financial one. Like people can't afford to have a child and, you know, they're not in a place financially to have one where they don't know what their career is going to look like, right? And yeah, I, I totally hear you that, you know, it affects the whole economy, like whether or not. Yeah. Like the net, cause, cause one of the things that was talked about the most and, and maybe it was just 2015 and like, I didn't, it, we weren't just in the place of murmurs about Roe v. Wade. So maybe I wasn't as educated as I could have been in that moment. Cause now I think I'd be a different amount educated <laughs> because we've gone through the time since 2015. But one of the things that was highlighted was how, how, how the massive change in college enrollment for Mm -hmm. folks since Roe v. Wade passed for folks with uh, uteruses and then how much that changed um, access to different kinds of jobs. So like it, you know, it's a night and day change and college means blah, blah, blah. We can get down again. There's a zillion paths we could get down, but um what the fuck? Truly, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> I don't. I don't mean to sound like a conspiracy theorist or whatever, but like. Oh, I mean that's. I think that's like, what I'm saying is I am a conspiracy theorist. I think that's what I'm actually <laughs> saying. No, no, no. But if you if you just think about it, like I, just stop to reflect, like when you know our access to abortion is being challenged when our access to gender affirming care is being challenged, you know, these are like, these are choices that define like whether or not um, we're going to be like financially trapped into like jobs that we don't necessarily want or like, yep maybe you have to like live with your family for longer and your family is not necessarily accepting of your identity, you know? Um, And if you think about the fact that they're trying to restrict these choices nationwide, it's really like about them trying to trap us into a workforce that, you know, a work situation that is not like, there's just a lot of things when it comes to work 
that I don't consent to, you know, like, um, come on. Yeah. Listen, (laughs) Karl Marx, I don't actually think you're like, I don't think that is a conspiracy. I mean, that's not a conspiracy because of course the system that we're talking about is a system that benefits a certain kind of person. So like, of course this is all part of it. Even if it's like not knowingly part of it for some folks that are a part of this system. I think for some folks probably is, but I think for a lot of folks, I also think it's like, I like genuinely believe Donald Trump that he's like, I'm amazing. And that's why I deserve all this. Like, I believe that he's telling the truth about what he thinks about himself. I also believe he couldn't be more incorrect, (laughs) but I, it does feel like that, like the, I does feel like it's like coming from the most fucked up genuine place, right? Then there's like somebody else who it's like a more cyn- it's like a more cynical version. It's like, and I don't know what's worse, like the person who is destroying the world and doesn't know why, and the, or the person that's destroying the world and does know why. <laughs> I don't know what's worse. It's debatable, um, but. Uh, I also want to factor in, because you mentioned this earlier, you know, access to marriage, which weirdly is going to be back, it seems like, at least in the murmurs uh, in the Supreme Mm. Court. And we live in a country that has built marriage into its financial system. And so, like, it doesn't mean everybody should get married, but it it has the, the system already exists. And so when we don't have that, when we don't have the option or the access, we can't be part of a system that exists. That is a wild truth. Yeah, it's a system that gives financial privilege to people who choose to get married. Yes. Also, like, medical privilege. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I have access to my wife's health insurance because we were married. Yeah. Cute. It's also just more expensive to like live solo, you know? Yeah. It is more expensive to live solo. Tax yeah. wise also. Tax wise and heat. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Still have to have like a warm place to live and it's you by yourself or you with three roommates. It's a different mm-hmm. equation. Um, okay. So we've, you know, we've gotten, you know, what we've done, at least what I've done is piss myself off. <laughs> Can you tell me in case I missed it, other ways that queerness or gender identity might factor into this? Yeah. Um, so we touched a little bit on, you know, what your mindset is like just in life in general, um, in terms of being in the closet versus out of it. Um, but you know, I, I like to think once you come out the closet, you actually like never stop coming out. And also the closet is glass, like everyone knows, you know? Um, so, um, besides that, um, queer and trans folks have endured, you know, some serious financial trauma. Um, just not just the decades of discrimination that we faced in the workforce, but also 
um, in the 80s and 90s during the AIDS epidemic, if you think about it, like our communities were just literally dropping dead. So it's like, um, number one, the trauma of seeing that it affects your ability to hold down a job. You know, if you just think about all the people who, when they experience a death in the family, they're unable to really function like business as usual because it's such a huge loss. I mean, that happened to our communities in mass in the 80s and 90s. Um, if you think about how mutual aid works in our community, right? Like sometimes people are foregoing putting money in their savings because they have a friend that they want to donate to their top surgery fund or folks are in emergency and you just end up spending your money that way, which I, I love about our community, right? Um, that's been happening again since the 80s and 90s during the AIDS epidemic when, you know, lesbians decided to give up their time, their energy, their money to care for the gay men who were dying because um, the government was not taking care of our communities in the way that they should have in that time, not giving us, you know, medical and legal protection that we needed to be able to survive that. So those are some of the factors that are still to this day affecting our ability to build wealth. Um, on top of that, if you've been discriminated against in the workplace, you're less likely to have, you know, a stable income that then you can do your little 401k, like retirement planning and all that stuff. Um, and a lot of, a lot of our elders are, who are, uh, at retirement age either are like forced to work or are living in poverty because of that. So yeah, also family planning is a lot more expensive, right? There's there's a lot of different ways that Correct. our finances are affected. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. It also uh you know, I guess the other thing that came to my mind is um uh this is also tr this is true for a lot of different identities in the LGBT plus family. And for instance, if women are paid less and then also women of color are paid less and then, so like white women are paid less than white men, but then black women are paid less than white women. And then adding in a trans identity, which might also not just affect pay, but also treatment and then add in partnership. So if there isn't a straight dude in the house or a white dude in the house um, and it's compounded. So like a family of two black women um, has a different ability to build wealth than also even the white gay dudes who are partnered to each other. Mm -hmm. um, and that is also something that affects like how we donate and talk and support our community as well. Cause like in terms of the mutual aid stuff that you're talking about, or like foundations that we have historically cared mm -hmm. about that because the folks that have been like paying into that might be experiencing queerness in one particular way, like who has had the most money in our community Mm -hmm. are paying into something in a specific way, looking for a specific thing. I've talked about this before on a show, but I have like a very concrete example when I lived in Chicago and they built like this huge new uh, 
LGBT center and it was in a like historically wealthy white gay part of town and the folks that mm. needed the services Chicago is like a very um segregated city were oh yeah black, I went to college there yeah they were black youth yeah. youth from the south side that were coming to this white neighborhood and the white, these white gay dudes were like flipping out and having town council meetings about it and it was bananas because it was like well the people who are accessing the services at the center are the people who need it like that like, like it was like a yeah. needs based a need-based center that also hoped mm -hmm. that it could control the race and gender identity of the folks that was were going to show up for need on a, in a need-based system um Dang. yeah it was super fucked up it was super fucked up. Um, and I know that some of this has been addressed over time because it was such an open conversation. Um, but that's also something that is true just within our community. Like that, like, I think a lot of times we can look at us and mm -hmm. be like, these outside people are fucking with us. But like, <laughs> sometimes it's us fucking with us. Yeah. There is serious wealth disparity mm -hmm. in our communities because, you know, especially if you think about there, there are just folks who come from families that are not accepting of your identity mm -hmm. that affects your finances, right? Because then eventually you'll have to be cut off from them and not have that financial support. There are maybe some white gay men more likely than not um, who come from supportive families and then they go on to do like high paying corporate job, like, you know, the corporate gays versus the nonprofit gays. Um, oh my God, that's so funny. You know. Yeah. And I mean, oh my God, don't even get me started on who's actually raising children. Listen, we can talk mm -hmm. about this for a really long time, but I actually fucked up because we're like out of time. I didn't even ask you what it means to be anti-capitalist. Can you just give me like a this is impossible, but like a 60 second summary of what you are hoping to impart when you just use that <laughs> term, like, what does it mean yeah. to be anti-capitalist? Just the smallest answer yeah. you can give. I'm so sorry to. Of course, of course. So um, just a quick definition, capitalism is um, an exploitative and extractive system in which, you know, there are people who are able, people at the top who are able to profit off of workers' labor. Um, and this is also a system that breeds on homophobia, racism, transphobia, um, ableism, all, all the different forms of oppression. And being an anti-capitalist means that I am willing to imagine a world and an economic system that is beyond that and then take the actions needed to actually build that world. Um, and within the context of finance, it starts with the self, you know, like what are we doing in our personal finances to align ourselves with the world that we're trying to build? And it's also, you know, a recognition that this is probably not like a system that will be taken down in our lifetime, but just having the faith and the hope that generations down, you know, the actions that we're taking now will bloom into these you know bigger changes that will impact um younger generations so, could you give me three examples of the way that you live your personal finances 
that aligns with this hope? Oh, um, I do not shop at Amazon. And I actually just recently put out a newsletter about like how to stay grounded during the holidays, which is like the most financially like chaotic time of the year. Um, and, you know, people will usually give tips like, and here's like how you get coupons so you can go shop more and blah, 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 blah. Black Friday, blah, blah, blah. And I'm kind of very anti that. And one of my things is like, you know, please cancel your Amazon Prime subscription because um, like, sure, I think especially for folks with disabilities who like physically cannot go shopping, like it's a lot easier to get stuff just delivered to your door. And I'm not like opposed to getting stuff delivered to your door. I just think that when you have an Amazon, um, I call it Scamazon, Scamazon Prime subscription, like you're more likely to just spend like mindless amount of hours like shopping adding stuff to your cart. And I hear a lot of people who have the experience of like, well, things just randomly showed up at my door, you know? Um, and I, and I didn't remember that I ordered it. Right. Um, so that's, that's one thing that I, that I've done. I've cut out Amazon. <laughs> um, number two, um, in terms of investing, I really try to take time to learn about the companies that I'm investing in and making sure that these are companies that are not um, uh, funding weapons, fossil fuels, or um, any, there's also, um, it's called like ESG investing where you can screen for like, if the companies that you're investing in are openly homophobic or, you know, things like that. So that's the second thing. Um, the third thing really is um, I I talk about money <laughs> very openly. Um, and I'm also, I, I think that the generosity that the queer community has is like really our secret weapon mm -hmm. against these like systems that are out to get us. Because again, like I mentioned, right? Like the mutual aid that's so normalized like in our communities, um, the way that um, we take care of each other, the way that we really, even if it's not with money, like if it's like emotional space or support or just like tips and mentorship, like these are things that, you know, um, are not necessarily material, but I think um, like that's really how when I feel the wealthiest is when I, you know, feel like I'm part of a supportive community mm. so yeah wow those thank you for those examples it's really helpful um Leo I'm gonna send you back into your day but before I do that I wanted to ask you to shout out a queero it's a person place or thing that made you feel you mm. could be who you are today um yeah the queero that I want to shout out today is um uh, Abby Hall. <laughs> they are the artistic director of the Trans Chorus of Los Angeles. All right. Um, I am a proud member of the Trans Chorus of Los oh, Angeles. I am a baritone. I am. Um, Were you just at the Muna concert? I was there. I saw you. Well, I didn't. I I saw the yeah. group. So hello. Yeah. Yeah. I actually. I was just making an Instagram post about that. I mean, I'm hella late, but. 
I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. But yeah, the trans chorus of LA is like one of the best organizations I've been a part of. And I really admire the way that Abby organizes space. Um, and also I learn a lot from them about, um, cause you know, they're a director and they have to wrangle like 30 <laughs> drama queens to like mm. get them to sing in a way, sing and perform um, in a united way. And I think I'm really inspired by their leadership. So shout out to Abby. That's awesome. Well, Leo, it was really good to meet you. And I also want to recommend to anybody listening that they check out your Instagram, which has a ton more information. You're very active in, um, and an informative and inter- enjoyable follow on Instagram. So I'd really recommend that they oh, do that. Oh, so, thank you so much. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. Thank you. And, and thank you for having me. Yeah, it was really nice to talk to you. And I, you know, fuck, I want to talk to you more interpersonally and have you, you know, fix my life. Um, <laughs> but until then, thank you. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.